just following all of the strategies that Pollock put in place really helped me stay organized and move things forward um, because I think I knew what I wanted to do, but now it's like I have a process and I stick mm. to that process. And if anything outside of that process, I may be able to bend, but I don't have to because I have a process and it works. Hey, this is Pollock, and what you're about to hear is a very special episode with one of the investors from our Portfolio Mastery Program. We call these Sensei Sessions. These interviews are designed to give you a perspective about what you can achieve with the right strategies and execution. I hope you enjoyed this episode and be sure to check out the show notes for a link to speak with one of our senior advisors who can help you reach your investment goals. Time now for our Sensei Session with Hirat Babaloa and an opportunity to hear how someone who started in the program has turned their portfolio into a stream of income. It's really incredible. I mean, you are an investor. Hirat, thank you for joining us today and for sharing your story and for being a part of this. Let's get started, though, and just let people know uh, where you live, what you do outside of real estate, and how you got into this community. Definitely. So uh, earlier this year, um, my husband has been wanting to invest for years and I just, not that I wasn't on the bandwagon, but I just kind of was slow to get on. And I got an email from a friend about Pollock and her program. And I instantly joined um, in January. And my goal was to have either three doors, three properties um, by the end of the year. And three months into the program, well, right at the end of the program, I was able to identify a, pro uh, a property, three properties, three doors, however you want to slice it. Um, and it was not traditional in terms of how I found it. Um, but let me take a step back. I'm from Maryland. Um, <laughs> and I am a Deloitte consultant. Um, that's my full-time job. I'm a strategy manager. And prior to that, I spent 12 years in the sports industry, um, working for various NFL, NBA, um, WNBA teams. But I knew that I, I resonated with Pollock's story and I was like, I can't do this forever. It's not sustainable. I have two young boys. Um, so we decided when we did join the program to identify an area and we chose Baltimore. Um, and it's been a really great experience since then. But the main reason was basically getting out of a W-2 job at some point, ideally in the next couple of years, because I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, hang on. I get it. Hi, Rod, let me take a moment because first of all, cool job. And so many people in this community have really cool jobs. Like there's no question, like really cool things that people do. And there are so many reasons, you know, maybe you love what you do. You want to not do it forever. It doesn't even matter. But the thing is, is there are really successful people in this community. They're just doing really cool things. And sometimes the opportunity to uh, add a stream of income, do something a little different, have maybe even a possibility some sometime in the future is what is pulling all of us together here. Yeah. So cool job, first of all. And that uh, real estate is kind of where you're like, okay, let me let me see how I can make this work. And so when did you start the program or when were you in the program? From January to March. Of this year? Mm -hmm. Like 2023. Okay. <laughs> all right. Yeah. That's very quick that you have, uh, that you um, made this move. Okay. So- yeah. It seems like I'm just hearing you talk about it. And I want to hear all about your deals because it's mm -hmm. more than one door that you have at this point. Yeah. Um, what was it that was kind of 
going through your mind that made you act so quickly? I think it was just, you know, you talk about something so often at some point you just have to pull the trigger and just jump in. And I find that I'm the type of person, if I invest in something, I'm going to give it my all. So like, if you're, if you have a personal trainer, you're probably not going to slack off because you're play, paying by the hour to have that personal trainer. Or if you're, you know, you want to take pictures with your family, like you're going to pay a little bit more for a great photographer to make sure you have great pictures. So like, I'm the type of person, if I invest in it, I'm going to put my all into it. And so with this program, it was a huge investment into my my future, my family's future. And we've been talking about it. So it was like, okay, let's just do it. <laughs> okay. What did you do? How many doors do you have right now? And how many did you uh, pick up through this program? So with, before starting the program, we had one conventional door. Um, we did the traditional conventional loan, put the 20% down. Now looking back, I'm like, oh, I wish I could get that money back. Um, but we then started the program. And at the tail end of the program, we identified a three-family home in Baltimore. Um, and it was a foreclosure. So we knew we had to jump on it. The foreclosure in the area was at 121 for three doors and wow. raised at 368. <laughs> um, and so we still don't even, we still are trying to wrap our head around how much money we made off of this deal. But we knew that it obviously worked out because the numbers were there. And that's all we based every single deal we looked at was based off of the numbers and the spreadsheet that Paula provides you. And we knew that the area was an up and coming area. It's a BC neighborhood. Um, and, and that's the ideal space. We weren't thrilled about it being a one, 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 but like a one bedroom within, mm -hmm. the, okay. but with the, you know, the different sessions that Pollock had at the time about converting, you know, rooms into maybe two rooms and just getting creative. The third floor was for whatever reason, just the shape of the building, the third floor lent for us to build out a second bedroom. So we were able to get a second bedroom out of a one bedroom um, just on another side of the house. I think they were using it as like a a living space, but we combined the dining and living space so that we could have two separate bedrooms on either end of the building. Oh, okay. So let, let, let's go back. Let's kind of go back. Okay. You live in Maryland, right? So you live in the Southern part of Maryland. We talked earlier about that. How did you decide on Baltimore as a place you wanted to invest in? Let's start there. Let's kind of go back to the very beginning and then kind of move into the whole Burr process that you used. I think for us, we chose Baltimore because it was safe in terms of being able to drive to it and get to it if we needed to. My husband's from outside of Philly, um, in South okay. area. So we thought about Philly, but Philly just isn't a feasible drive from where we are. Um, I could get to Baltimore in an hour and 15 minutes if I needed to. Um, and that felt safe. We also knew that Baltimore was a sleeper city. Like people think Baltimore, they're like, oh, like they think about all the movies and the shows. And, yeah. But Baltimore is one of those places where if you're reading on the Baltimore Times and, and staying up to date on the things that the city is trying to do, you have so many incentive programs for people like us um, who are interested in helping to revitalize the city, um, that it just made sense to kind of put our, some of our eggs, we're probably not going to do every property in Baltimore, but some of our eggs in Baltimore, knowing that 
it is a huge rental city. Like people go there for rental properties. Yeah. Because there's a lot of opportunity and people don't want to buy necessarily, but they need to be there. Yeah. A lot of things happening. Okay. So if, if you, it's close enough, like under two hours for you to get there, but you didn't live there. How did you find the people who helped you? Real estate people, construction people, banking people. Yeah. So we literally followed Pollock's process to a T. Um, we had a realtor that we were working with who helped us close our first deal, but we quickly realized just going through the program that there are different types of real real estate agents and we needed one with more of an investment mindset um, and not just your traditional, oh, this is the home we're going to live in mindset. And so when we identified our newest realtor, she she honestly knew the city inside and out. Like she knew which blocks were going to change she can, she predicted like X amount of blocks were going to be different a few years ago. And like, you can already see the transition, Like she drove us from block to block. Like she invested in us before we chose a neighborhood. And she said, that's because when you make a decision, it's, it's on her as well. And if she doesn't, if we don't get a property that we enjoy and like, and are able to rent, it's going to come back to her and we're not going to use her again. Like she just has had that experience time and time again. Yeah. So she she uh, educated herself. How did you find her? So you had a first real estate agent who yeah. maybe just didn't didn't last, I guess you might mm-hmm. say, with your new vision. How did you find this one? Word of mouth. We started just walking the walk and talking the talk and sharing that we are investors, right? We no longer said that we are looking for properties. We shared with people. We created business cards and like, would talk to friends and family members like, oh, we're real estate investors. Like didn't even talk about my W-2. Um, and it just so happened at my job, which is ironic because I don't share that I'm a real estate investor at work, but there was a partner that I got really close with and she shared that she had a cabin in Northern Virginia. And I was like, oh, like, how'd you find this cabin? And she's like, oh, my family has owned it, but my wife owns it as well. And she's an investor. And I was like, oh, does she do real estate? She's like, yeah, she's a real estate agent. And I was like, I would love to meet her. Um, you know, anyone that can find real estate and live in it and has been doing it, I'm like, let me just meet them. One thing led to another. We clicked and she oh. invited us out and drove us around and, and we knew that she was going to be our realtor. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. It is truly a relationship. Like it oh, really is a relationship. Really so. <laughs> When you were talking with this real estate real estate agent that you ended up with, uh, did you then find the other people like the the every month was all word of mouth. Um, our general contractor, we found them through our painter. We had our own personal home painted, and he did such a good job. He was so professional. Um, he had a great website. Like it just it didn't feel like we we were working with a bigger company. Felt like we were working with a big company, but he was just an a soul like so I asked him I was like do you know any good GCs and he was like oh yeah I paint buildings in DC I work with this particular GC here's his number give him a call I spoke to him for an hour and a half like our first call was an hour and a half long and he was phenomenal and so he became our GC and anything having to do with the rehab he didn't he provided everything we didn't have to really go above and beyond in that regard um and same with our lender we looked through the list that Pollock provided um and the lender that we ended up finding was a word of mouth lender 
um, through a young lady that was doing multiple nursing real estate properties in the Baltimore area. Um, my husband's in the medical field and he heard about her and she said, oh yeah, I have a lender and they work really well in the city, Baltimore city, give them a call. And so that's how we found our lender. Oh, amazing. I mean, it really is also you putting yourself out there and saying all these things, saying that you're open to these conversations. Yeah. Yeah. The house that you actually ended up purchasing, is, is it a house? It's a multifamily? Well, multifamily. whatever it is, it's a multifamily. <laughs> yes. Um, how did you find that one? Uh, how did you know this was the one? Um, so obviously, our realtor created a search for us based on the neighborhoods that we had visited. And every time I got an alert, I was crunching numbers. I became a student at night and would go through the listing, plug in numbers. Um, she actually sent this one to us after we had did the initial assessment. And she said she drove by the neighborhood and she noticed that on that block, there were multiple buildings that had flower pots outside, oh. they had wreaths. Um, you can tell that everyone on this block was kind of like connected in a way. People were sitting outside. So it was a very friendly atmosphere just by driving through it. So we decided, okay, let's let's look at this one and multiple other ones at the same time. Um, put in a couple of offers simultaneously. And, and this one ended up being the one that stuck. Mm, so were these different? The one that you actually ended up getting, was it different? Because this was a triplex, it sounds like. Yeah. Were the other ones single family? They like were single families. Mm -hmm. um, we did ha find a duplex that we really liked, not too far away from the triplex. Um, but the number for the, there was another triplex in an even better neighborhood, but the numbers didn't make sense. Okay. I, I want to hear more about the numbers. So mm -hmm. if you don't mind, can you just sort of talk to us how you adapted Pollock's spreadsheet? All she did, because she talked about it all in the program. Yeah. How you adapted those learnings, those teachings into how you decided you would work with this triplex and make it work for you. Can you just kind of talk about that a little bit? Yeah, definitely. So <clears throat> the numbers were low enough where I knew that with a single family, the the model is you don't go above if you don't have to 150, 125. Um, and you want your ARV to be significantly higher than that. And I knew for the three family, it was already a low number but I needed it to appraise at a certain level to be able to pull our money out of. And it doesn't always appraise that high. Um, but because this particular neighborhood was so close to um, University of Maryland, it's an up and coming neighborhood. It was a foreclosure. So we were getting it significantly lower than what it probably would have went for. Um, we crunched the numbers and divided the 121 into three. So like, let's say that that unit was one family. We were like, this is a steal, right? Like to get yeah. a one single family for that number, we we're like, this probably will make sense. And then we looked at the rents in the area. We wanted to make sure that for one bedroom, was there anything available? If there, if it was, how much it was going for? And in that area, one bedrooms were going for 1300. Wow. So we were like, okay, 1300, three units, we're turning this one into a two, um, you know, a two unit. So that's probably going to be a little more like 1500. The numbers in the spreadsheet, we didn't break it down like a three family. We kept it as if this was a one family and this is how much each unit was going to pay, would it still make sense? And it did. What did shock us though, is how we, uh, I guess, put the ARV together. We didn't come in that high. Like we thought the ARV was going to be like 280, mm -hmm. 
five, maybe two ninety. Mm-hmm. When it came back at three sixty eight, we were like, "Whoa! Like, wow! How did that even?" But then we looked at what they, how they chose to appraise it, and it was a lesson for us that a every appraisal is different, but it's always better to be on the safe side. Right. Um, I'm glad that our ARV was so significantly low. And we were doing apples to apples where I felt like the appraiser was doing apples to oranges. Like he was comparing our three family to a row home that just happened to have the same amount of bedrooms, but was a single family. Hmm. Yeah. But it was the square footage was the same, but it was oh, a family. Okay. Um, and it was extremely, it was done up. Like you could tell it was a flip versus like for a rental. Right. Um, but we were like, we'll take it. He did like yeah. four different properties and they were all kind of similar. One was similar to what we had, but the commonality between the four properties was square footage and bedrooms. But if you're asking it, were they all duplexes, triplexes? No, they were like, they ran all single. singles, duplex and triplex. Well, congratulations for that. That's yeah. really incredible. So I had to ask about the construction. So given that it was a foreclosure, (laughs) given that maybe, I I don't know. So I'd love to hear about the foreclosure and the construction and the budget that you had planned for yourself and three separate units. So talk about that. (laughs) Oh, it really does boil down to your GC. And we have such a great relationship with our GC. We let them know, look, we are investors. We're not living in this home. We need this home to be a livable nice property for another family that would like to be in this type of area. And I think that conversation of being upfront with what we were looking for really managed his expectations on how he was scoping out the rehab of this project. We've seen his work. He does high-end work. And I was like, no, 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 we don't need marble bathroom floors. Like That's not what we're looking for, but we want this to be a very nice property. And it's not a flip. Um, so I think managing those expectations and him knowing what the ARV was potentially going to be at the 285, yeah. we scoped out $85,000 for the rehab. For per, per unit or Total. the whole thing? Whole thing. Oh, okay. Whole thing. Hang on. I'm going to get to that in a minute. So, so this, uh, GC that you are working with or were working with, um, was, uh, still working with, he's our guy. Still working with, he's your dude. <laughs> Um, it sounds like he works with high end or high higher end homes, maybe. Yeah. And I have heard, and I and so I don't know this, but that it's kind of they're different. It's like apples and oranges a little bit. Mm-hmm. So how was that? How did you? And I know you manage the expectations by telling him, but how, what was that like for him and working with him like that? For him, it was fine because he has his own investment properties. Oh, okay, okay. You know, so he understood where I was coming from. Okay. And his construction, he is a very large construction company in the DMV area. Oh, nice. So they do residential, commercial, and they do luxury. Okay. Um, so the luxury homes, he builds from scratch, right? Okay. Commercial, he's doing buildings in DC. And then the residential, it would be for like individuals that have their own personal homes. But he also does investments of his own on the side. So when we had the initial hour and a half conversation, <laughs> I wasn't concerned about his luxury eyes because I have the same eyes, like we get it, we like nice things. But I also asked the question up front and was very blunt about it and said, can you manage multiple rental rehabs at this type of rehab? I sent pictures from Pinterest. I was like, this is what I'd be looking for. And he was like, yeah, that's fine. He was like, those are actually the easy rehabs for us. Oh, okay. 
Oh, that's wonderful. Okay. 85,000. How did you come up with that number? And was it, uh, where are you in it? Are you, are you in the middle of yeah. it now? Oh, yeah. Okay. So how, how did that stack up to what it really ended up being? So he is tough and I feel bad because he was so disappointed. He wanted to get in and out in 60 days. Wow. Yeah. That seems very ambitious. Okay. Um, yeah. we, we were like, okay, 60, okay, do it. <laughs> let's do it. Baltimore City is Baltimore City. It is a difficult place to work in and with um, the electrical, because we had to get all new electrical. Mm-hmm. We had two different electrical inspectors that came and like reviewed work. One wanted it one way. Another came in and said, no, not that. We want this. And so we battled those things. That moved our timeline from 60 to another 30 um, yeah. and another 15. So it got a little bit longer than we anticipated, but it was simply because we were working with a very difficult city. Like Baltimore City, I've learned so much. They're just not easy to work with, even down to their to the gas and their water. Like it, it's just difficult. But he had all the, you know, contractors that he needed to make sure he could flip and turn those things around. Um, so I will say overall, my experience was probably from if I'm grading it, it was probably like a B plus experience, but that's because it was our first like full rehab in the city of Baltimore and Baltimore is just difficult. It had nothing right. to do with my GC. No, 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 no. So time-wise, it sounds like it maybe took uh, three and a half days. Months. Oh, three and a half months, mm-hmm. which you know exactly yeah. <laughs> how long it took. Okay. So he was the one that gave you the 85,000 mm-hmm. estimate and it, did he meet it? Did it exceed he it? He did meet, he did meet it. And one thing that I really appreciated about him is he was getting ready to go over and he he came to me and said, hey, there's a difference of five to 15K. If we do X, Y, and Z, how do you want to proceed? So mm. before we even decided to go over the initial budget, we had to sit down together, him, myself, my husband, and said, how do we want to manage this? Um, because he is going to be a long-term GC, he decided to go over a little bit, but that cost, he said he would eat because of Situ- because of the situation with the electrical and like him not predict knowing that information before he gave mm-hmm. us the scope, um, he ate the cost, but we anticipate to be able to pay that back to him on our next property. Right. Because it's an ongoing right. relationship, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Communication seems it's first of all, communication is huge, but it seems like it was very good with him. How did you manage that? When did you have like a certain time that you would talk to him? Um, so I think my job, my W2 job really lends well to this type of work. Yeah. Um, as a project manager with yeah. consulting, I'm constantly over communicating to clients. My husband actually finds it to be very annoying. He's like, you're, you repeat yourself all the time. That doesn't frustrate you. And I'm like, it's part of my job. And so you don't I, even hear it. Right. Yeah. It's all yeah. Good. <laughs> so I treated my, my contractor the same way. Um, every morning I would check in with him, which is, is a little bit frustrating that I had to do that, but it gave me peace of mind. Like I slept well at night. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I asked him like, what's the cadence? He said, you can bug me every day. It's totally up to you. Whatever you need to know, I will inform you. Um, So it's, I think over communicating has been really the success of this particular rehab. And that both of you are willing to make that communication and accept it as well. I mean, I think Oh yeah, personality. And he gave us bad news. He's like, we have to redo the whole electrical. And in my mind, I'm like, how in the world did you not see that when we were putting the scope together? We just <laughs> couldn't open the wall, 
right? Like yeah. there's only yeah. so much you can do during a walkthrough. And when he opened the walls, he was like, holy moly, this electrical system is not to code. It's not going to pass an inspection. And we had a very strict lender that you couldn't get your money until those inspections were passed at each stage. And I personally, looking back on it, I'm so grateful that our lender is that rigid because now there's no concerns about right. how our tenants are going to feel. Right. And and uh, since it's going to be a property that you have for a long time, you have that peace of mind knowing that however many years down the road, it still will be a property that works for you. So I want to talk, uh, okay, I'm, we're going to talk about your lender in just a minute. But as far as the electrical issue that you had mentioned, did that add to the budget or was it padded? So he padded it to the budget. Okay. So it was okay for you in terms of like a final number. Mm -hmm. okay. What he didn't really pad into the number, um, the inspector for the lender made a comment about the fire escape behind the house. And he said, I don't think this will pass if it's not updated when you're doing your final inspection. Mm. Not inspection for the city, but mm -hmm. inspection for the lender. For the lender. Mm -hmm. So we didn't even think of that. We're just going to paint it and call it a day. And he's right. like, no, 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 no. Like this fire escape needs to be pulled out, redrilled, put back in. Steps need to be working like in... I thought we were just going to paint it and drill it in, but that's not the yeah. case. No. Okay. So as you're talking about this and you're smiling and I love to see it, <laughs> these are, they're just, it's part of, it's part of it, right? Mm -hmm. The electrical that you need to replace completely, the X, Y, and Z that you need to do, the fire escape, all of that. How did you, how did you, how were you at the time? Because now you're smiling, but how were you at the time? And how did you get through that? Um, I was a mess. Um, I didn't cry, which is a good thing because I'm very an emotional person. But I was frustrated. I I felt bamboozled a bit. Like, what do you mean this wasn't part? Like, how did you not? I, I didn't get it, right? Because I'm not a contractor. And I felt that we did our due diligence by having him walk through and trying to get all the information about the property prior. And people were living there before the foreclosure. So for us, we were like, oh. how many oh, wow. there? Yeah. If all of this stuff wasn't up to code, little did we know that there's so many properties in Baltimore that they don't go through due diligence. They don't do, they don't follow code. They just get people in. Slumlords are a thing. Like it really, really is a thing, especially in a city like Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, we wanted to change that narrative. So we were like, let's do everything we need to do to provide a safe and comfortable environment for our future tenants. And we can't do that if we're going to cut corners. So as frustrating as it was, we we just had to bite the bullet. And, and yeah, I love what you just said. And Pollock, I know you, you want to respond to something here. Yes. I just I appreciate your uh, vulnerability Harat, so much here because I think when when people see investors progress, whether you're first deal, 10th deal, 50th, 50th deal, there's always challenges and some of them can really stop you from growing further. And most people only see the results. And so I love that you were open about a tough day, a tough moment, you know, when you were like, hey, all I, I didn't cry, but that was all that was left at that point. Mm -hmm. I would love to know, how did you go from there to the other side? Because I think that's the shift that is super helpful when 
anybody else is in that position. And, you know, as I said, it doesn't matter what deal number you're at. This is a useful skill to acquire at any given point in time because the stakes are only going to get bigger, right? Yeah. What Cheryl said the other day, another level, another devil. Oh, new level, new devil. New level, new devil, right? So this is a skill you want to constantly work on. I don't know how many people feel this way on this call. I have a very high burn, stressful work situation. And I have two small boys. One is on a field trip right now. I can't go because I carved out, you know, two hours for this call. And as soon as I'm done with this, jumping on another client call, I'm doing reports. Anyone who's in consulting knows your PowerPoint is only as good as the million dollar deal you just sold. Like, it seems so simple. I'm tired, right? Like, I'm 36, but I'm tired. Like, I would love to retire tomorrow and spend like the rest of my life providing safe, comfortable homes for generations, right? Like, that's my motivation. So even in that moment, I'm like, I read this is just one step to a bigger picture so that you can attend your son's, you know, basketball game in the middle of Iowa one day, or he wants to travel for soccer internationally. Guess what? No one's stopping you. You're not clocking in, clocking out. And so I had to keep like my why in the back of my mind. And luckily my husband, like he has a very stressful job. He's in anesthesia. So he always reminds me, no one died. Like that's like... (laughs) Like that mindset is also something that I keep in mind because at the end of the day, no one died. No one dies on my watch during anything with my full-time job. No one died during this construction. No one died. Like there's so much more going on. Like it's not worth my stress and the crying is not going to fix anything. So get your logical hat on and just press forward. Um, I Love that so much. My grandmother used to say this, by the way. My, you know, my grandfather was a freedom fighter, and like they saw the worst possible situation when the British um, ruled India. And my grandmother used to say, she, you know, she passed away a few years ago. She used to say, "What's the worst that can happen? They're not going to cut your head off, are they?" And like, you know. When you're in that moment, it's so hard to imagine that it's not the worst possible situation, right? Like, because you're in it. But then when you like step back, like you said, your husband says, no one died. <laughs> and you're like, wait, this this could be much worse. It could be. And I I, I want freedom from W-2. Like, and I could stay at my W-2, but I want the option. I want yeah, of course, of course. I think that's all we want, right? It's just that... um you know, you might love you might love what you do on on certain days, but not every day. And it could be cool to one day do something different. Yeah, and the stress the stress of your own business is it hits so different than the stress of being a consultant and yeah. somebody else's million dollar deal, right? Like at least it's yeah. yours, right? <laughs> it's yours. Right? Yes, exactly. That's for yeah. your own deal. Exactly, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Okay. We need to get to numbers though, because you, so hi, Rod, where are you in the process? So the, all the rehab is done, right? The rehab yeah. is completely finished. Where, so where are you in this whole refinancing? Thing? So you're refinancing uh, right now? Yeah. So we're trying to pull just the money we put in. We're okay. going to keep all of it in there. Um, anything extra, we're not going to take anything extra out, pay off our HELOC. Okay. 
do it again. We've already identified multiple properties um, that we probably will put in an offer once we get like the verbal, like our refi is good to go, just so that we can move on to the next deal. Um, we're going to diversify our portfolio between row homes and um, triplexes because there's a lot oh. of places, but we know that when it comes to offloading, mm -hmm. uh, it's easier to offload of a single family. Right. Okay. So um, as far as the, the financing part of it, would you, what would you care to share about that? Like, is it um, a hard money lender? I don't think it's conventional. Yeah. I think you're first. No, it's not conventional. We did. We decided not to use any of our own money. Um, so we took out a HELOC on our current property, um, okay. 60000 and that's all we were going to have. No okay. additional money. None of right. my money. That's my all money. it is. Like, that's all you get kind of thing, right? All we get is sixty grand, and if we can't make it work, next property. Um, so we wanted to be very disciplined in that, you know, because it's easy to be like, oh, let's pull from here yeah. to make it more to get this deal, or let's pull from here. And it was like, no, we have two small boys. They need whatever extra funds we have poured into them. We're also trying to save. We're also trying to do other things. Yeah. Um, so the HELOC was great. We had it, we got it at a great interest rate through a, uh, what's it called? Um, the smaller banks. Um, credit union. Credit union. Oh, yep. okay. So a local credit union did our HELOC. And with that 60, we did use all 60 for this deal. Okay. Um, but no more than 60. No more than 60. Okay. Uh, we ended up getting an American Express business credit card. So that again, if anything was to come up, yeah. it would be on a business credit card and still not have anything to do with us. We have an LLC for the for the property. Um, and we decided that once the HELOC is paid off with this refinance, we would just rinse and repeat and do it again. Okay, great. So then um, you use the HELOC. You didn't have to go to another hard money lender. Or you didn't have to go anywhere else, actually. No, we did. No, we used oh. a hard money lender because oh. we were first time hard money lenders. They made us put down. Oh, I see. We had to put down. Uh, I think it was fifteen percent of the okay. property, and then plus closing. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it, it ended up getting really close to that sixty. There might be like a little bit left in there. Oh no! And then we had to fund the first draw, so that's why we ended up using the all sixty. Uh, I guess funded the first draw, so we got that back, the funding okay. of the first draw. But we ended up having to put a money down for the property 15%. But this lender, since we did a deal with them and it happened to be three doors, it's up for them is three, three doors. They don't really care. So now we go down to 5%. So oh, that's amazing. That is amazing. And then eventually it will be 0%. So that's why we're sticking to this lender. Like <laughs> Again, stay. I, I can hear, I feel like a pattern. Like you're sticking with the people you have come to trust. And then now you have um, an office, like, right? Like you have an mm -hmm. office. Uh, Pollock, what, what is uh, your question? Um, I was going to ask, so you brought, for your hard money lender, you brought you brought 15% down to the table for your first deal. Love it. Yeah. And then I usually don't, I mean, the your first draw, you get that back anyway, as soon as the work is done. So we eliminate that, but 15% is not bad for brand new investor. That's pretty yeah. amazing. Now it's 5%. Yeah. You only bring 5%. Is it acquisition plus construction 5% or 5% just of acquisition? 5% of just acquisition. Just, you brought 15% of only acquisition down for your first deal. That mm -hmm. is amazing. Yeah. When we first, that is amazing. That was, none of that was available, by the way, for new. But he said, and, and I'm grateful we met this particular lender, it's our credit score that saved us. Yeah. Yeah. 
those are credit yeah, so- score between my husband and I. Like they were, they actually behaved like a traditional bank. That's one thing we did not enjoy. So although you're saying, wow, 15, the amount of paperwork, we we're like, are we getting a conventional loan? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll share right. the um, lender with you guys. Yeah. yeah. So the, I think that that's really interesting that I feel like the more people always ask me, and this is why I popped in to, to talk about it. People always say like, oh, we said, you said exactly 25K is what you're going to need. Hmm. It's a rough ballpark number. It depends on your credit score. It depends on your income. It depends on how much effort you're willing to put into the lender, into finding lenders, into contacting different lenders, and into working with a lender that might be a pain in the butt to work with, but they let you bring very little to the table, Mm. right? Depends Mm. on so many different factors, how much money you bring. 15% of acquisition as a brand new investor, that's- That's very good. That is incredible. Yeah. And then 5% after that. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And, And what I will say, the paperwork is no joke. It's like doing a brand. It's like doing your own. The paperwork was like a regular home. Yeah. I like wanted my husband's life, my life. They're like, he has 1099, but he has W-2. We need all of it. And we're like, why? Yeah. Hard money. They didn't care. Yeah. And so be aware for that. Like be aware for the time that it takes. Right. Yeah. But you made money by not having to bring a lot to the table. So that's pretty awesome. That was yeah. awesome. Definitely. So the refi process that you're underway in right now, where is that? Or like has the... So we submitted all the paperwork because again, in order to refi, we found another lender um, to refi with. The current lender who we received the money from, they require all of your inspections, all of those things before they can give you your letter of completion. And the new lender is just as difficult and requires all of that. But if all goes well, we'll have 75%. Yes. Wow. So that's why we're dealing with the pain. Yeah. You're putting the work in. We're putting the work in. It may be slowing us down a bit because of the nuances, but we feel like it's worth it. So uh, how detail oriented are you? Like, is this like your wheelhouse? I would say I'm detail oriented for things that matter to me. Like, and I, like, I've been a consultant for a year and a half now before I was in the sports industry. And I would say being in consulting makes me even more detail oriented, but I will never get over the fact that like we spend too much time on PowerPoint. So like, there are things where I'm like, uh, right. Like, no, (laughs) this doesn't add up. Like I just had a 30 minute call about PowerPoints, but um, I think I'm, I'm more detail oriented now. And because this is money that has interest on it, it's making me even more detail-oriented and tracking of everything because money out, I'm paying for that money to be out. And so I don't want it to be out longer than it needs to. I mean, there's literally a cost. There's literally cost to to these dollars, pennies, dimes, whatever. You had said earlier, I can't remember if it was when we were recording or before, but you had said that the program was instrumental in helping you get to this point. Can you talk about some specific things that people hear can mm-hmm. kind of refer back to and be like, okay, this is, this is what I did. This is what yeah. I did. That kind of thing to help I move think, forward. For me, it was the mindset shift. Um, the first couple of modules, getting your mindset in the right place in order to, to stick to doing something like this. Even if you had properties before, again, we had one property a conventional way. 
But we didn't do our due diligence. Like we bought a turnkey property. And every time I think about that property, I'm just like, we spent so much money on that property. <laughs> and it's, oh, I've done it too, by the way. Return, but it's not going to be as much as a monthly return as this one. And so just following all of the strategies that Pollock put in place really helped me stay organized and move things forward. Um, because I think I knew what I wanted to do. But now it's like I have a process and I stick mm. to that process. And if anything outside of that process, I may be able to bend, but I don't have to because I have a process and it works. Yeah. So basically everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would say the mindset was the first one for me, though, yeah. like just having the right mindset and why you're going into this and deciding, like, what is your why? Like, why are you doing this? Yeah. You mentioned it slightly earlier, but now I kind of want to get a clear answer as far as what happens next. Mm -hmm. Like you, so you are looking because you're in yeah. the refi. So have you, wait, uh, wait, do you have uh, renters already in there? Yeah. Maybe so we have two okay. renters and the third where we're being a little bit rigid on who we put in there just from Fair. initial experience. I'd rather it sit empty than get mm -hmm. somebody. And plus the two people already paying my mortgage. So right. So you're kind of okay. <laughs> you can look. Um, but I think we we know we want to continue. Um, the goal is to get another triplex at least before the end of the year. Um, so the ones that we're looking at, if we're able to put in an offer in the next two, three weeks, we'll probably do that. Okay. So you are actively looking. Like you're- oh, yeah. We're off you're on to the next one. Yeah. Okay. Um, Sophia, and Sophia, how many properties do you have right now? Says holding costs are a thing. You're moving correctly from the start. That is really good. Like- really, really good. Um, and uh, Trevor has a question. Did you have renters in during the other units rehab? How did you manage that? No, we did not move anyone in until everything was done. Okay. So everything is done. Yeah. And can you talk more about what it looks like uh, at the end? So you said you have, so you have two one bedrooms and then one two bedroom. Is that right? And like, what did you actually rehab? Like, was it huge? Yeah. Was it cosmetic? Was it? So it was a little bit of cosmetics. It was a lot of cosmetics, actually. Um, it was all of the electrical, all of the plumbing. Um, anything that couldn't be seen got done. Um, we were completely gutted the basement because we turned the basement into storage units and we oh. put washer and dryers down there. Uh, we decided not to put washers and dryers in each of the units because they're already so small, in our opinion. Yeah. So we have coin laundry downstairs, so we'll be making money off of that. Um, and then we also did the roof. So okay. we made sure that the roof was up to par and everything. Um, and then we did the backyard, we did the stairwell. Okay. Um, and so we did all of the staircases outside, like within the going from unit to unit, because those were in shambles. Like you, it literally looked like someone was going to fall through it. Um, yeah. So we had to do that. We didn't know that it was going to be so expensive, but that one that was actually pretty expensive, that staircase in the back of the house. That's, that is interesting. It's something good to, to remember. Yeah, because the homes, they're old. So mm -hmm. like those wood planks and all that stuff you see, we can't get that again, right? Mm -hmm. so you either rip it or you like patch it together. And thank goodness our real, our GC was very creative. But like that piece was very expensive. Yeah, yeah. Like painting, cosmetic, all that was fine. Um, but the steps were pretty intense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, something good to keep in mind. Pollock has a great question. What is, so you've mentioned that you're looking, like you are looking right now, possibly a triplex. But what's your big goal? Where do you want to be five years from now? Five years have work be optional. 
um, if not for definitely for me um, and my husband can continue to work. His job is scalable. He can dial back, dial up. Um, I don't have that luxury in my role, um, but also have at least 30 doors in five years. Highly inspirational. For those of you joining us, um, please let us know some takeaways that you've gotten from from Hirot. And we appreciate you just sharing everything, just yeah. really sharing the the ups and some of the downs. Um, and, you know, you've really talked about some challenges, right, from the fire escape to the electrical to, I mean, just kind of figuring all the things out as far as finding the people. Did anything surprise you? Maybe, maybe about yourself even. I'm more bullish than I thought I would be. Like, I'm more of like, uh, this needs to get done now type of person. And I knew I had it in me, but I definitely let it out a few times. <laughs> That's powerful. That is powerful. And it gives you this confidence. It, oh, it, yeah. Like, I, I can, if I can do a triplex in 2023, then I can do goodness knows what in 2024. Pradeep says, thanks for the Maryland market experience and details on lender and GC experiences. Yeah. I mean that I love, I love what you have been able to share because if you think about this kind of relationship that you're trying to build, it takes work. And I can clearly see that you've, that you've done that. Like it's like not something you left to chance. No, not at all. I, I asked the awkward question and I was okay with not getting the answer I wanted. <laughs> Wait, which awkward question? Like, <laughs> you know, all of them. This job, like, no one wants to be that upfront because it, like, it makes you like seem a certain way. No, can you do this or not? Like, it's just very simple. Um, and I was okay asking those questions. I love that. Uh, Deanne says, from one management consultant to another, it's nice to see the project management skills are being put to use for something that keeps you away from the grind of consulting. Burnout is real. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. I'm so new to it. I'm only a year and a half in. So I can't imagine those who've been doing consulting for the past, you know, 10 plus years. Like kudos to you guys. Yeah. Well, I mean, the brain work it takes, right? Mm -hmm. The brain work and then the travel, all of that. Uh, Andrew says, uh, this has been great. Your goals of optional W-2 is right where I'm at and how the program helped you with mindset is spot on. I love that you use the quote of be comfortable being uncomfortable. Me too. Uh, Kendra says, everything has been so helpful. Thank you. Uh, Anne and Randy Betts, your numbers were inspiring. Good for all to know that good deals are possible in the market. Yeah, that's a really good point. I will say with the numbers, um, Anne and Randy, hey guys, I remember you guys from when I first started. Um, I think those numbers are only true for my triplex. I don't think I'm going to see that number if I pull the trigger on the row home that I'm looking at right now. I just don't think so. It, Something happened for you. A big building, right? Like if one person was living in there, they're living in a huge home. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's the triplex that got our number there. That's what I will say for that. Yeah. But you were there, right time, right place, right opportunity, right things, mm -hmm. right Being ducks in a row. Foreclosure, like it's always risky to get a foreclosure because they can make you wait. You'll sign and then you may not get the house released to you for yeah. like two, three, four months, like yeah. some stuff going on. We got it right away. So you, did you do something special to avoid that or did it just happen? Um, I think it just happened to us. And we also have an aggressive realtor. Like she's, she's awesome. Yeah. Note to self, aggressive realtor. Any other last words for, 
for Hyrot. I mean, just a thank you. Yeah, I, yeah, it's, this has been great. It's nice to sit back and kind of reflect on all that I've worked on these past couple of months and share it with people that actually will act on it. I have lots of friends that want to do it and they hear our stories and like it falls on deaf ears. <laughs> um, so I, I'm excited to see what everyone has to do. I love that. And I love what you just said, because you can talk about it to anybody, but if you talk about it to the right audience, then it can really make an impact. Oh yeah, 100%. Don't forget, when you're ready to get serious, you can join us at theinvestoraccelerator.com. It's like getting a thousand episodes worth of information in five days, and it's everything you need to build your actionable plan to financial freedom and making work optional.